Love It or Leave It is brought to you by Angels Envy. Envy is commonly regarded as a vice, but it can be a good thing. Envy can be a catalyst for creation, inspiring the world to raise the bar. And Angels Envy is a bourbon that is worth the envy. Angels Envy bends the rules. It's a little different from all the other bourbons out there because Angels Envy is the pioneer of secondary finishing in bourbon. Angels Envy is finished in port barrels, which adds a layer of complexity to the whiskey and gives it a unique and approachable flavor. Plus, Angels Envy is one of the first full production urban distilleries in downtown Louisville. And whether it's for someone special or to bring to a housewarming party, Angels Envy makes the perfect gift. These angels are so, they have so much envy with its unique bottle design. Angels Envy bourbon finished in port barrels is sure to be the envy of any bar cart too. Look for Angels Envy bourbon finished in port barrels. Please drink responsibly. Copyright 2024, Angels Envy bottled by Louisville Distilling Company, Louisville, Kentucky. Welcome to Love It or Leave It, live or else, coming at you from vacation week two. Am I on the beach? Am I in a cosmopolitan European city? Am I in the mountains? Am I uh, just on my couch because I didn't plan anything? You figure it out. Anyway, we all know the best part of any show is the end, but that's particularly true of Love It or Leave It. God damn it, Ryan. <laughs> Where we cap off our time together with either Unleash Fury or Horrible Opinions, rants and hot takes. So while I do my best to bring my blood pressure down, we're going to send yours a boiling. Here it is, the best of rants and hot takes. Now it's time for hot takes. You know how it works. We have never seen these takes. We will have to defend them for, we have a timer, one minute? Yeah. Sweet. <laughs> All right, let's see the first so hot take. we defend take. the take. We have to defend the take. Children under the age of five should not be allowed to fly. This has been assigned to me. Children under the age of five should not be allowed to fly. I'll tell you why. There's been a lot of talk about who's unvaccinated in this country. All right, and who, who is vaccinated in this country. But you know what group has gotten zero vaccines? A group of anti-vaxxers called zero to four-year-olds. <laughs> These people are relying on all the rest of us to do what Fauci says and have immunity. And by the way, these little shits, they are terrible with masks terrible at wearing masks. They're always under the nose. They're always crying. What is this? I don't understand. Germ theory. What's next? It has landed on crunchy peanut butter. <laughs> What's wrong with you people? There's peanut butter and there's peanuts. <laughs> Two different things. Why, if I want to enjoy peanut butter on something, would I ever want my upper palate pierced? <laughs> I don't understand the idea of, okay, keep going, keep going, keep going, and stop right there. It's perfect. Do you know what I like when I make my coffee and I grind it up? I throw a few whole beans in there. You're out of your minds. I don't understand. I don't understand. The whole point of it is no texture. That's the whole point. Then we're not talking about ice cream. Is, is it that you don't like ice cream and you're like, mm, I'm jealous of people that have things in their stuff and you want to have that experience for yourself? It doesn't work with peanut butter. If you're a thinking, feeling human being, if you're not a sociopath, you enjoy creamy peanut butter. Also... Creamy is a better word than crunchy. 
I put it to you that crunch is a better word than crunchy, and creamy is a better word than cream. So just stop ripping up your bread. Just be normal. I haven't yet heard a good case for it. I'll make a case for it right fucking now. Good luck. Good luck. Where are my crunchy friends at? I like crunchy. Crunchy peanut like butter crunchy. fucking rules. I like crunchy. It fucking rules. Let me tell you something. You take a soft piece of bread, you put some soft, creamy peanut butter on it, it's delicious. I'm not going to lie to you. Thank you. I'm not going to sit here and... I'm not gonna Thank do, you for meeting me there, at least. I'm not going to do sophistry. <laughs> but I'll tell you something. I'll tell you something. You take one piece of bread, you put a little crunchy peanut butter on one side, you fold that thing over, Ew. it's a fucking flavor and texture yeah. delight. But, okay... Yeah. But here's the thing. It's a texture party. It's here's the texture the party. It's a texture party. Yeah. Hey, texture no, party. You. Texture party. Table for one. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Me. And hey. And two. And two. Maybe Matt. a little honey on That's that. Right. Why not? A little honey sure. on that. Why sure. Not? Because it, it, it cuts <laughs> down on the sharpness of the nuts. <laughs> oh, the bread cuts hey, down on the sharpness. Do you want to have... The sharpness how, is always how about, a, how about a sandwich? There's little knives in it. Is that cool? Yeah. How about Cheetos? Can I ask you crunchy Cheeto or regular Cheeto? Do you like everything? Don't make me choose. Okay. I didn't know if you were strictly never I, crunchy. I no, I, I like crunchy like, things that don't hurt. That's what I like. Yeah, I feel like this is more of like an orange juice with pulp or no pulp conversation. I'll say this. Know? I'll say this. I think we yeah. can all agree that if somebody <laughs> likes the pulp, what they that should be fucking was. murdered. <laughs> it is disgusting. Yeah. Chunky it is peanut butter disgusting. is just pulpy no, peanut butter. I think it's different. <laughs> my view, my personal view, is that it's different. Yeah, chunky juice just doesn't yeah. work. Chunky want, juice doesn't work. That's just you don't want chunky juice. We don't want chunky juice. We want whatever it is. Can somewhere we talk about oranges and in general? Because I find them too membranous. Do you know what I mean? What I like in a fruit is something I can just pick up and take a bite out of. Not a thing that's in a secret little case, and I have to unlock it, and then I have to pull its alien-like sections out. Too many strings, oranges. Too many yeah. strings. Too much going on. As you all know, it is the official position of love it or leave it that we do not have any calories in liquids. <laughs> that we save our calories for solids. Yes. So we don't drink juice. Because no. it's stupid. Because a glass of orange juice is a cookie and a cookie is fries. <laughs> Very sensible. Very sensible. Let's yes. spin it again. That's also diet culture, and I know that. Please stop tweeting at me. <laughs> Hear me out. What about body negativity? Oh, baby. Uh, do I ever have something to say about this? Listen, body positivity is passe, okay? We're back to hating the bod, all right? It's a piece of shit no matter what you get. And um, you know that you're clowning on everyone else's body at all times, you know? It's a... It, it, and if you get trapped into the mentality of body positivity, you're just going to be failed by the world and by our culture either way. So we're back to hating it. We're back Preach. to hating it. Preach. Yeah. Nice. Hate your body. Hate your body. Blue bodies. Yeah. Hell yeah. I also think we should consider Cartesian dualism again. Another option. We aren't our bodies. Let's see what's next. <laughs> it's really something else. It's just been Low-rise jeans. Miss <laughs> landed on low-rise jeans. Alice. So I did write this one out because it's really emotional for me. Um, I know that we all remember where we were when we heard that low-rise jeans are back. 
Some of you may be here right now hearing this. And I hate to be the bearer of this news. It is heartbreaking. But it's here. Vogue, which could be seen as fashion's, I'm going to say, highest court in the land, (laughs) recently posted an article saying, the latest denim trend to grace the spring 22 runways, ultra low-rise jeans. Ultra? (laughs) That's right. Now, I remember when I was a girl, we fought against low-rise jeans, which glorified unachievable body types. These were the years of whale tail, tramp stamps, muffin top. I remember when you could only get a good rise from vendors that operated in the shadows. It's so hard to believe that we have slid so far back, or shall I say, so low. But here we are. Here we are, okay? But I wanted to talk about this tonight. Yes, I did. Because even though Bella Hadid is wearing low-rise jeans right now, that doesn't mean that we have to let them spread to Rihanna, who I like to think of as a sanctuary celebrity. What I am saying is that the fight is not over. And fight we must. Is there some backing music? I didn't. But here's the thing. It's going to take time. And it is going to take all of us. There are no quick fixes. The fact is that while we were wearing high-rise, figure-flattering stretch denim for decades, low-rise jeans have been fighting in the background, doggedly pursuing their goal of showing our front pubes. And now, I know it's easy to blame each other That's what we want to do, right? Some of you, you just want to tell everybody about how uninspiring skinny jeans were and how they weren't really that good on a bicycle. And then some of you, you know, from the fringe fashion movement are just constantly scorned for, you know, what a waste of time we all spent on those cropped culottes that, let's face it, we're never going to win over the South. But here's the thing. We have to stop all that. We need to stop yelling at each other on Twitter and come together because the other side is galvanizing their forces as we speak. They have been playing the long game right now, and they are winning. Before the November issue of Vogue comes out, an issue I, <laughs> an issue I picked at random because it feels like a good deadline, I want everyone listening to do one thing every week to do what you can to get everybody involved in this fight. If we all work together, we can not only prevent low-rise jeans from combining with a boot cut, which some fashion experts say is irreversible, but we can resist enormous bedazzled belts from returning. We can make sure no one but truckers wear trucker hats because the alternative is Ed Hardy 2024 and nobody wants that. All right. That was great. Bravo. All right. That was incredible. What's next? Oh, God. I am yes. funnier than all the guests I invite on this show. Why do they bother showing up? This is a challenge I've had from the very beginning of this show, which is I pass. Next one. Next one. I can't do it. JK is right. The goblins are Jewish. Oh, my God. Asterisk. Producer Brian wrote this. Asterisk, asterisk. Producer Brian is Jewish. Jesus Christ, Brian. I think it's great. 
that one of the most important formative reading experiences for literally millions of children in this country and around the world is predicated in the idea that stereotypes are good and that all people should be sorted from basically the time of their birth into different categories that, and that it is not really possible for you to escape basic qualities you have when you're a literal child. So I think it's good that basically this is a book about a kid who's really good at sports, who gets to be in charge even though his friend who's a girl is smarter and more talented and harder working than him. But because he's special, he gets to be in charge. Those are ineffable qualities and any hard work you put in, any time you put in, any effort to better yourself, any view of learning itself as an opportunity not to use your innate gifts but actually to expand your mind and change the kind of malleable, plastic quality of your own consciousness, that's stupid. That's silly. What you are when you're 10 is what you are when you're 30. And the sooner you accept that, the better. And I think it's good that the bankers are little tiny Jews who want to get their hands on all the fucking gold. What's next? Uh, Bob, <laughs> be, be meaner to lesbians. Be meaner to lesbians and hear me out. <laughs> we have been letting them bully us around <laughs> for years. They walk into the room just glaring at us, making fun of our skirts and our shoes and the way we dress. Bitch, look at the way you dress. Yes, you're on time for everything. <laughs> Yes, you're smarter than all of us. No, we couldn't get anywhere without you because gay guys are very, very, very bad at planning things. The only reason it's called brunch is because a gay guy couldn't show up to breakfast on time. However, we will no longer be bullied by you. And when you're nice to lesbians for far too long, look what happens. Ellen DeGeneres. <laughs> Let's see who's up next. Yeah, for Abby, it says, Corporate pride is helpful and good for queer communities. Thank you for the rainbow pen, TD Bank. Abby? Okay, you know what? I'm bad with a budget. I like free shit. Um, I like a pen. I like a tote bag. Hey, Miller Lite, I'd like some coveralls. Never received them. They've heard the plea. Um... <laughs> Corporations, they care. They care about the queer community because um, at least the queer cis men got money. Um, oh, was that too much? Suck it up. Oh, yeah, John Lovett doesn't have money. Everybody chill out. Um, yeah, so corporate, you know, like, let's, like, give them a break. I mean, we're all struggling, but they could, like, really bring us up. You guys, 24 more seconds. You know what? Um, I saw a trademark in there, and I'd like to trademark, uh, my, uh, oh, God. So how are we doing, John? You, this is over, right? You're doing great. You know what? I hate the patronization, but I'm gonna lean in. Um, you know, corporations aren't all bad. Social services. Oh, no. Fantastic. <laughs> suck it. Okay. Look, as we always say during Pride, suck it, social services. <laughs> what else? Let's see who's next. Send gays over 40 to a farm upstate. Solomon. Rude. Send gays over 40 to a farm upstate. Easily, yes. We don't need to be out. I'm 40. I'm done. <laughs> you guys are exhausting. It truly, like, what, what do we need to do? We're, we've proven, I've, I've come too much. 
I can't get chlamydia again. <laughs> Send me somewhere else. 35 more seconds. Look, over 40 gays, you see us in the club. We're creepy. Uh, <laughs> you don't like it. You don't want us there. We don't look like we should be there. Why do we have a vest with no shirt on under it? <laughs> that was never in style. I have nothing else to say. I'm going upstate. <laughs> Solomon's going upstate. Let's see who's up next. It has landed on raccoons, I believe, suggested by Marcy. <laughs> okay, well, here's the thing about them, is they think everything is theirs. Like, like truly, you, there's nothing you could do to stop them. I recently put cameras outside my house, and they are truly terrorizing the neighborhood at all times. We have a little family of three, a mommy and two babies, and I've watched them since they were little. But two years ago, I was feeding feral cats in an effort to try to trap them neuter them and then release them and these wow so i so i had to feed them labor intensive (laughs) activity oh it was too much and there was one cat who was very limpy whatever uh (laughs) i put food out and these raccoons would fight anyone they fought possums they fought skunks and i was like i gotta stop this i found a a dismembered possum baby in my front yard so I was like I gotta stop this it's coming to blood they still come back all the time looking for food and then I swear they look right at the cameras like they know and they have opposable thumbs so you know what they can do to the camera (laughs) (laughs) they got those little thumbs those little thumbs Ronan uh when he was a child had tiny little uh um careful (laughs) uh he had you had uh, uh birds chicks right yeah He raised chickens, and uh, chickens were getting picked off by raccoons, so they brought them in the house. Uh, And then the raccoons broke into the house, found the chickens in the bathroom, killed the chicks, and then the little fuckers washed their hands in the toilet and left. Isn't that right, Ronan? That's right. That's like to to wash up professional assassins. (laughs) And to leave a message, too. Yeah. That's why I don't like them. I mean, I do like them. They but left, they left think... one chick alive to tell the story. <laughs> and they wash their hands. And... <laughs> They're very cute, very scary. They're little thieves. All right, let's see what's next. I'd rather eat wheat gold crudite than a Taco Bell Mexican pizza. Here is something that I believe. Wheat gold crudite is fantastic. Here's the thing. You can have fresh crudite supple green celery and cheese that isn't hard on the corners. But what better than an old platter that maybe has been in the fridge a while rather than consuming something hot and made of beans and cheese and meat with two layers of tostada that they only used on the Mexican pizza that they didn't use on any other dishes. It was only for that where they cut it beautifully into four pieces. And then and when you were 17 and got your driver's license, you would time how fast you get to and from the Taco Bell by your house in Syosset. And it was 11 minutes there and nine minutes back because you drove like a fucking psycho. <laughs> and then your sister got mad that you got the car smelled like Taco Bell. So by the end, you would just hold it out the window while you drove home <laughs> instead of having friends. Thank you. Let's see who's up next. It's for me, the Taco Bell Mexican pizza pales in comparison 
to the mixed spaghetti. Jesus. I don't know what the mixed spaghetti is, but I can only imagine it is a sensory delight. Now, obviously, I like the Mexican pizza. I consider it a near-perfect food, but only near-perfect. But as I look at what could I only imagine a long-tested product, like when McDonald's rolls something out, they're not putting it together willy-nilly. They got scientists. They got experts. They get the right balance of all the flavors. Your salt, your sweet, your sour, your spicy, your umami, which is the poignancy of flavors. Um, yes. You know what I mean? Are you looking at me for... Yes. No, I wasn't. That's what... Oh, I thought you were wanting a Japanese person. You... Okay. No, excuse keep... me. Your time. Excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse me. And obviously, as we all know, when we think of umami, we think of Parmesan uh, cheese. Okatsuka. We think of oh. Parmesan fucking cheese. Right. Yay, John! <laughs> Yay. So I love Yay. mixed spaggetti. That was so good and aggression towards me for some reason. I don't know where. I was just trying to support. I was yes-handing. You were looking at me. I said, yes, I know umami. <laughs> I was trying to help. We got each other. <laughs> Shut up, everyone. <laughs> Don't side against me on my own goddamn show. Let's see what's up next. <laughs> all right. We have one more rant. And I'll just let you all know that I was not told this was happening. Uh, this was uh, stealthily planned. Joining us now... For our rantathon, it's Hallie Kiefer, our writer. What's up, Hallie? Um, good. I, I do feel like we've been seated a weird distance. Like I feel weirdly close to you. Okay. In these trying times. Mm-hmm. Well, I just know that what I'm going to say you aren't going to like. Look, you're you aren't going to care for it at all. So I'm just going. I have my notes. Okay. Okay. John, I we've heard before. Oh, I know what this is. We've heard I know before. What, I know what this is. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Let's go. Go, go, I've, go. People have said chocolate chips are overrated. I instead will say they are actively ruining baked goods. Okay? Uh-huh. I will take first the brownie. For some reason, we've decided all brownies are now filled with dozens of hard wads of chocolate. So when you have one, you think it's going to be a delicious chocolatey mm-hmm. pillow you bite down. It's just a, a layer of sediment. Mm-hmm. If you need to jump in, jump in. No, yo, keep making your point. Your point that chocolate chips are bad. Yes, again, it, within the baked good. If you want to eat a loose bag of chips, that's your business. What is, what? If you want to stand over the, the kitchen sink in Saying the dark. Saying chocolate chips are bad, but I only mean in terms of baking, is a wild sentence. I'm, I'm saying if you want to have an M&M, that, it, it, that has its own context. To put a chip <laughs> in a baked good, I will move on to wow. cookies. Please do. Cookies are soft and delicious. I bite down into it, and I find a globule mm-hmm. of sugary sweet nothing. It has no flavor. It ruins the baked good itself. What, because you're, ta- what, what you're talking do. about is crunchiness? You're talking about disliking Chocolate crunchy. Chocolate chips are not crunchy. You think they're crunchy? You want a cookie that you can kind of gum, is basically what you're talking about. I want to be able to sink my teeth all the way through without them finding a hard resistance, you which I find like... repulsive. It's about the texture, John. That's mm-hmm. what I'm saying. So and chocolate chips are not crunchy. I'm going to stop you right now. The, the idea that that's what you're going to offer me, they're not they're crunchy. Popcorn, that's crunchy. What's and the... I say you put a little chocolate chip on a popcorn, now we're talking, but that's a different situation. So you don't like chocolate chip cookies? I don't like them. Here's another reason why. Because mm-hmm. in order to calibrate for the chip, which uh-huh. is often very sweet because it's milk chocolate, which is the worst chocolate, 
sorry, Brian, I see you having a conniption over there. It is true. The mm-hmm. cookie itself has to become so salty that if you get a bite without the right number of chocolate chips, you're just eating pure salt. I don't feel as though I should expel any of my precious time on this planet, the life force I try to bring into this show, the the words that I can marshal to say any kind of a defense of the institution, beloved institution, of the chocolate chip cookie. I'm not saying that this is dispositive. I'm not even saying that this is logically important, but I will say and, it and is if worth you did, I noting. I wouldn't understand either of those. I, will I say, don't know what that either of them is. I will say it is worth <laughs> noting. That when you Google cookie, which why would I do that? If I go ahead, because you know you you know it's late researching at, it's this late, bit. At, late at night, you're a little lonely, eating your chips out of a bag. Chocolate chip cookie is what comes up when you look for a cookie. It is the example of what a cookie is. It is the avatar for what a cookie is. Why? Not because people hate it, but because it is so beloved and so delicious, and such a perfect delivery system for sweet and salty deliciousness that it has become what we think of when we think of cookies. This is a bit like saying, I love ketchup, but nothing that Heinz makes. Which I'm sure is something that someone could say on the yeah, show. Yeah, and they'd be kicked the fuck out of the studio because it's nonsense because ketchup is Heinz. Heinz is ketchup. And I hear, What am I talking about? I could have made <laughs> yeah, a better argument. Sponsored by the Heinz Corporation. And I just want to thank Teresa Heinz Carey for all that she did in the 2004 effort to elect John Kerry. And I will always remember when she told the story about people standing up at a restaurant in Georgetown, D.C., applauding her husband after he lost. I think it is very telling that in order to defend the cookie, one must go so wide mm, as to cite the history of the world and the country. And what I'm saying is simply a matter of course. And if you like this, if you like, I do like biting it. into it and finding essentially a, a rock you made are of describing, candy but you are describing a joyful experience in a negative way. You have invented something that is an experience no one shares. Listen, Absolutely. we all Listen. know how much it sucks to eat chocolate chip cookies. Am I right, ladies? There is at least <laughs> one lady in the room who agrees with me, and two. If that's true, if I am speaking into existence a experience of the world that has never been experienced before, then I am even more happy to share it with you that you might know the alternative. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying. So can I just can I ask a question? All right. Absolutely, you can ask me any questions you want. I've got more points, but go ahead. I, I have a question. I'm gonna I'm gonna do this in parts, and I, right. and I'm not asking. I'm, I want you to be honest. All right, this is not to push us in one direction or another, but it is a sincere question. Okay. You at least admit here at this table. That the chocolate chip cookie, even if it's wrong, right. even if you're completely right about the fact that it's terrible, well, which I'm you're bored not, with this so far, yes, is the classic first option for cookies, right? Like if someone's gonna just absolutely, get, I, I absolutely, and that's entirely why I wanted to you know this it's not, and I, and I hear that, and you know that if someone says, "Hey, do you want a cookie?" The most likely cookie they come back with is a chocolate chip. Mm-hmm. It's the most common cookie you can get basically anywhere. It is the example cookie. If let's say we live in your version of society, and and, and I do. hope we don't, I really hope we don't, because I feel as though you're doing to baking like what the Harkonnen did to Arrakis. You're going to have to give me a, a more context. I haven't seen the movie, and I tried to read the book, and then there's swords in it, and I was like, I, you're in space. I got to stop you right there. <laughs> can't can't the have point... both swords or space. <laughs> That's another rant. Don't... <laughs> I don't don't mix the, the flavors. The point I'm making is, if we don't have the chocolate chip cookie anymore. What is the normal cookie? Is it oatmeal raisin? 
Is it sugar cookie? What is the first cookie that comes out in the cookie, in your cookie world? What I'm seeing is in my fantasy of what the world could be, there is no hierarchy. We don't have to have the number one. We don't have to have the leader of the pack. They're all valuable, except, of course, the chocolate chip cookie. And here's another problem, because Brian is slacking me during this rant. (laughs) So my point about milk chocolate chips is that the cookie has to be too salty to to balance them. When you have a dark chocolate chip, the cookie is then very sweet. So that every bit, you are now in charge. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Semi-sweet morsels. There are chips designed for the baking of cookies. If people are milk chocolate chips are a kind of bastardization of chocolate chips. At least we can agree on that. Toll House yellow bag semi-sweet chocolate chips. They are designed. They are produced by the best minds and the best. I don't. We don't know that who's doing it in there. I mean, I am saying that the bag of chocolate chips that Toll House produces is a product of generations of trial and error, creativity, testing, failure, successful sales, failed sales to reach the ideal chip, the yellow bag, Toll House semi sweet morsel. When we have this expectation, well, if I get a cookie, it's going to be chocolate chip, it actually drives down people's ability to judge a good chocolate chip cookie. Because, oh, what am I going to get? It's the default. So it does not it does not Brian, provide Brian. for questioning. Oh, my God. Okay. So. Oh, Bri- this is Bri- a, our producer, Brian, who, I want to be clear, has declared himself a chocolate expert. That is his family true. Is it chocolate? No, I am a chocolate expert. I am watching you eaten a ton of it. Oh, my God. You have had your time. I am so. You're, so you're telling me. You're telling me that I. I'm not coming out of your mouth my about what I put cookies. into mine. You are going to regret this because if you ever commit a crime and people are like, who saw this coming? This is going to be the moment where everyone was like, oh, yeah, there were red flags. This far seems like in a little advance. too far for the rant, but I mean, <laughs> listen, okay. if you're going to threaten my, oh, my uh, no, so imprisonment to, because of this. I'm not sending you to jail for this. I'm just, no, forget it. Well, if you could, you no, would. And yeah, let's be honest that about that. True. And but let's I'm be saying, honest about what that. What I'm saying about this is that for you to say that giving people too many chocolate chip cookies makes them unable to judge chocolate chip cookies is actually quite the opposite. It. They're getting a lot of trial and error. They've got a lot of points in comparison. They could say, oh, I like this cookie. I don't like this cookie. I like semi-sweet. I like bittersweet. I like dark. I like upwards of 90% chocolate chips, which they do make. Thank you, Giardelli. To which I would say. What? If you look at the expanse of American cuisine uh-huh. and you say. Oh, yes. yes scholar of is, American cuisine. Oh, yes. This is, the chocolate chips it... in the popcorn, which is shards of salty glass that Ugh, you get for I, 20 I bucks I'm in gonna... a bucket from a teenager. I'm going to yield the floor. I oh. think I'm going <laughs> to. Go ahead, yield the floor. Just to have two more points, uh-huh. real quick. <laughs> wow. Um, and just uh, look in case you can't look. I feel like there's probably just like subtle distinctions between. There was a younger, thinner gay voice <laughs> from the from New York for oh, a few tell. minutes. They can tell the difference. And now it's back to me. Yeah. No. I think. Any other points, Hallie? Yes, I got two uh, more. One, uh-huh. when I brought this up before, people say, "Oh, you have it right out of the oven." To which I say, "That's the one time it's a liquid chocolate." It's. It, that's my point. <laughs> Yeah, right in the oven. Of course, it's not a hard nodule of chocolate. Uh-huh. And then, um, of course, finally, and uh, maybe Brian's level of anger speaks to what I'm trying to get at is mm-hmm. just if, has, if the last year or two, the last six years has taught us anything, just when something is wildly popular does not make it good. And in fact, it might make it bad. And that's it. And that, uh-huh. th- thus ends my rant about chocolate chips and cookies. Yeah. And, uh... and also, if I do go to jail... Please don't show this to the courts don't, for fear that it will lead to my conviction in whatever crime I've been accused of. And whatever it could be. We don't know what it is. Yeah. It has, she hasn't committed it yet. I, not that you know of. Not that we know of. Yeah. And I just want to say um, we all had a lot of fun here today. And I want this to be a place where people 
can share even opinions that make some people uncomfortable because like I don't believe in cancel culture. Thank right? you. I, I really don't, appreciate that. I think this has to be a place where people can come in and speak their minds, even if it makes people angry, even if it makes people upset, even if it's one of the stupidest fucking things they've ever heard in their whole life. Yes. Even absolutely. if it is so fucking dumb that it makes you want to tear out your hair. When you hear some someone, people may have during when, this when you can't unhear it, when you can't unhear it because the point is so fucking stupid and outrageous, designed to elicit a response. So ridiculous as it's hard to find the words to argue against it because it uh, defies every kind of common sense experience, understanding of the world, literal human sensation. I want that to be something people feel comfortable doing. And I, I, I do. Very much so. I mean, this would be the last time I do this, a rant ever. But this was for a good time, for sure. <laughs> and also... Mm-hmm. They're just too salty. Chocolate chips in general. Hell key for everybody. Get out of here. Get out of here. Tone down the salt in your recipe, people. <laughs> wow. Howie feels the way about chocolate chips the way I feel about anything that grows on a farm. I eat vegetables, Brian. Do you even know me? What? I'm not a caricature. Leave all this in. Anyway, if you could listen to these ads while I refill my pina colada, we'll be back for more rants and takes after this. Hey, don't go anywhere. There's more of Love It or Leave It coming up. Love It or Leave It is brought to you by WikiHole on Wondery. Do you know when Crystal Pepsi was discontinued, what was in Al Capone's vault, or which famous meteorologist is Lenny Kravitz's second cousin? If not, then you haven't spent enough time on Wikipedia, but that's okay, because you can learn all about it on the new podcast, WikiHole from Smartless Media. Discover the craziest rabbit holes on Wikipedia with host Darcy Carden and her favorite comedian friends as they bring the cyber frontier directly to your tympanic membrane. We love Darcy. Love Darcy. And if you listen to WikiHole, you learn that is the sciencey term for eardrum. WikiHole is a hyperlink roller coaster, starting out on one Wikipedia page and then going from link to link to link, careening through trivia, oddities, and unexpected connections until everyone wonders how the hell did we get here. Follow WikiHole on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to WikiHole ad-free by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Love It or Leave It is brought to you by Fast Growing Trees. Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? You can grow lemon, avocado, olive, or fig trees inside your home. On top of the wide variety of houseplants available, Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. Mike Pence should have gotten one of those after Election Day. (laughs) (laughs) The experts at Fast Growing Trees curate thousands of plants for all climates, locations, and needs. Available 24-7, you can talk to a plant expert about your soil type, landscape designs, and how best to take care of your plants. The point is, I may not have a green thumb, but that's why Fast Growing Trees is perfect for me, because it makes it so easy. Right now, they have some of the best deals online, like up to half off on select plants. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code LOVEIT at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com using the code LOVEIT at checkout. Fastgrowingtrees.com, code LOVEIT. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions apply. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What's the first thing you do if you had an extra hour in your day? Would you go for a run? Would you take a nap? Would you read a book? Would you show up for a friend? I mean, maybe I'd hang out with a friend. I don't know if I would show up for a friend. Well, okay. Good to know. Good to know. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. Yeah, we do. But at the same time, then you check your screen time on your phone and it's always like six hours a day. Mm. I feel there's a lot of people running around playing busy, you know? Yeah. If you're on your phone for six hours, you could be less busy. You could be less busy. Just put your phone down. I'm I'm as guilty as anybody. That's what therapy's for. It helps figure out these problems. (laughs) Put down your phone for an hour during therapy. Yeah, you can't be on your phone during therapy. They hate it. (laughs) But they can't stop you. It's your hour. Anyway, the point is everybody needs therapy. I need it. John needs it. 
Anyone else? Anybody else? <laughs> no, that's it. Just that's the two it. of us Just need it. Just the two of us. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash love it today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash love it. Let's spin the wheel. Oh, tall men versus short men. Look, here's the problem. You know, people think... People think, oh, yeah, like, oh, he's tall. He's tall. He's made for me because he's tall, right? That's not it. You bitches need to stop thinking just because a man is tall, he's going to be good, good in bed, good to you. He's not, okay? Short kings, give him a chance. Now, for those listening at home who don't know who I am, I'm 6'2". I got a lot of experience with this, Okay. I want you to know tall men, no personality. Short men, because they're short, they put in the effort. That's right. Not just outside of the bedroom, but inside too. Okay? It's a trip, though, because I had to tell my nephew. My nephew is 18. He is 6'5". I had to sit him down when he turned 18. We had a lot of conversations, but one of them was to tell him, just because you're tall, people are going to go, I like you. I'm attracted to you. And that is superficial, and you can't accept that. And you know what happened two weeks after that happened? After I had that conversation with him, you know what happened? What happened? Some little skank went up to him, and she was like, I like you. And he goes, you don't even know me, because he listened to me. And I, I, want, I just want the women listening, or men too, just because a man is tall does not make him interesting. It doesn't make him hot. It doesn't make him more appealing. You need to give these short kings a chance. Okay? That's it. Wow. All I want to say, I know I got some fans in the audience right now. <laughs> Look at him. Look at that. I always love being next to you because I feel like I'm Come on, you're taking me here. to throw the ring of power into Mount Doom. <laughs> That's a little short king. Thank you. He can't hit it, but I'll I'll consider it, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> that's all that's all that's enough. Marcella out. <laughs> Let's see what's next. Track and field, especially the middle distance events, is too boring for air and shouldn't be allowed in the Olympics. Um, Yeah, track and field, especially the middle distance events, is too boring for air and should not be televised. Even the Olympics, I think I remember that correctly. And um, yeah, you know, it's just running, guys. It's just running. Why? Just because these people devote their entire lives to training and very specific skills. And just because it's this very simple skill that, like, people try to master for their whole lives just to be able to do really well doesn't mean that we need to watch it on TV. I mean, for one, let's say uh, the outfits are a little bit slutty and... um, um, I just don't think that people should be trouncing around an oval in such honestly revealing things. And um, have you ever heard of storytelling, guys? Do you guys know about storytelling? Yeah, there's not that in track and field, okay? And so get it off my screen. I don't want to see this track on my TV, Tyra Banks. Yeah, track is really boring. It's just running. And no, actually, this is really true. No one who's ever run has any personality. Nice. Let's see what's next. It has landed. 
on racist dogs. I think, Demi, you suggested that. Sure did. Oh, yeah, no, this is Rory's one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm always thinking about this kind of stuff. <laughs> okay. So my girlfriend's neighbor has a dog that barks at me and no one else. And I know it's racist, and if you're white and thinking you don't know it's racist, we can tell. They bark with a hard R. The thing that I can't understand is, I, no, but here's the thing. J- like, just thinking about it from a scientific standpoint, how are there still racist dogs? Like, I don't understand it. They live, like, they live like 12 years. So, like, 2009 is the earliest that a racist dog could be born. And, how, like, how do you make a dog racist at that, like, flashcards, what are you doing? Do you have to go to Kinko's and print out special flashcards because they're colorblind? Are you doing like, ooh, you're John McCain, good. The entire cast of Insecure, bad. Like, how do you get there? And the worst part about it is whenever someone has a racist dog and they bark at me, they're always just like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. He never does this. That's the worst thing you can say to me. Because what I'm hearing is, oh my God, I'm so sorry. My dog and I do not spend time around black people. Don't do that. I do not need to be the first black person your dog meets. I don't want to be a test subject for your KKK9. What I need you to say every single time is... I'm so sorry, he does this all the time. I got him from my grandmother, she drilled this into him. However, she had a heart attack when Moonlight came out. Awesome. What do we got next? Lena Dunham is the voice of her generation. (laughs) You have one minute, that's your point of view, let's hear it. One minute, defend it. That's your view. Espouse that view for one minute. Listen. If you can declare yourself to be the voice of a generation, it's possible that you're not wrong. For sure. Yeah, that makes sense. You could be correct. You know, it's possible that you could have words that come out of your face and holes on your body that we need to see as an adoring public. (laughs) Tattoos all over a butt we didn't ask for. It's possible that all of that stuff could make you a voice in a generation that happens to be ours. I understand that from a logistical perspective. She has a voice in her generation. It's of that generation. It's kind of the dependent, independent clause you were talking about earlier, John. We all have a voice in this generation. Lena Dunham is one of those voices that exists. Let's spin the wheel. <laughs> it has landed on embarrassing sex dreams. Who suggested what? <laughs> uh, Cal- That's such Cal- a weird thing for someone to want to talk about. Yeah, but you want to talk about it, Kelly? I mean, I guess. <laughs> uh, first off, I do want to address, you know, like, Everyone hates when other people talk about their dreams, but I just want to say you're not having interesting enough dreams, right? Because my dreams, like, self-edit, like a movie. Like, they have transitions, there's music. But I recently have just been feeling, like, waking up mortified because, you know how most of the time, like, if you realize, you start to realize you're in a dream, you're like, oh, I'll go flying. I'll, like, I'll go do something. My brain's like, oh, we should probably all start having sex for practice, you know? <laughs> and then... <laughs> and then... <laughs> But then what's tough is I, like, I'll form this like months-long intimate relationship with someone and then it gets time where we're literally in bed and then it cuts to black. And then I wake up in the morning and we're like, that was so much fun. And I'm like, I would just, it's a dream. It's my dream. It's my brain and I couldn't even allow it. But it's just hard because recently like, I had one and I woke up and I was so embarrassed at myself because the person was like, 
can you do better? And I was like, that's my brain. <laughs> and I have to walk around just being like, I'll do better next time, I'll do better next time. It wasn't a real person, so. That is the saddest fucking thing I have ever heard we in my life. That, we right? all have we that, all We all have that. And the thing is, we all have that. We're all of happening. We all have it's that. always and happening And it's, us. again, not something we're talking about nearly enough. <laughs> Let's spin it again. <laughs> Dance recitals. That's me. That's me. And okay. it's not just dance recitals. That's what they represent. Because when you're a parent... No, no, seriously. Stick with me. When you're a parent, you have to pay for people to teach your kids stuff, right? You have to pay to teach dance and piano and gymnastics and sports and whatever. But then parkour. With, uh, parkour, uh, taekwondo. Yeah. What they don't tell you is they're going to charge you again to come in and see your kid do the thing that you paid them to teach your kid to do. They charge tickets. Oh, yeah, for child yeah. children yeah. dance recitals. And they can like Congress should regulate it because they can charge you. No, they can charge you anything they want, and they know that your kid is gonna think, "Daddy doesn't love me if he doesn't pay forty dollars for the school play." And then there's all these rules. So you get in there, for example, like a volleyball tournament, right? You could be at a volleyball tournament, and the scorekeeper accidentally forgets to tally one of your kid's points, right? And you shout to the referee. And no, not yell at the referee. So, like, you share important information in a, in a friendly and loud way, right? Yeah, absolutely. And so the referee stops the game, checks, realizes that you were right, changes it, and, like, everybody goes on their way and there's nothing wrong. Nothing but wrong. But then they send your kid across to tell you that you're not supposed to yell at referees. And I was like, no, I shouted to him. And... But then the next day, because I learned from my mistakes, so the next day, the scorekeepers forgot to give a point to the other team, and I didn't say a word because I learned the lesson. That's growth. <laughs> That's, That's growth. how change happens. That's growth. <laughs> That's important. Let's see what's next. I'm really looking forward to being 40. Middle age looks great. Here we go. Here's the thing. Being in your 30s is better than being in your 20s. I'm hoping that being in your 40s is better than being in your 30s. Now, the research suggests otherwise. The research tells us that in your 40s, you slowly get less and less happy. That the closer you get to 50, the more miserable you become. You spend your 50s pretty sad. Then you hit 60. You slowly start getting happier again to your 70s and 80s. And you die old and frail and happy. And I'm obviously looking forward to that. But I am genuinely worried about being in my 40s because a lot of my life has been about a kind of boyish charm. And I don't really know what I'm going to do in my 40s because, like, I don't really want to age. I'm not into it. Like, I don't like the way my face looks now compared to the way my face looked five years ago. And I'm approving fewer and fewer pictures. It's actually a really hard and big deal for me. It's something I'm dealing with in therapy. And unfortunately, right now, I know my 30 seconds are up. I'm in the crowd. I'm making my way back to the stage. Because this is something I'm genuinely dealing with. And as I mentioned on a previous podcast, Dr. Christie did have a baby. And she's on parental leave. And she did say I can text whenever I want. But it's not something I'm going to abuse. <laughs> There's no stairs up here. I got to turn around. <laughs> and so, here's the thing. You know, someone said something to me once that was a quote from a book I didn't read. And the quote was, There's no such thing as a 30-year-old prodigy. 
And the problem I'm going to have is I kind of have an impish quality, a boyish charm. And again, as I said, you can't be 43 and like kind of like cute. That's not going to be cool. No one's going to be, there's no stairs here. Here's the thing I'm going to tell all of you, because again, I did have fully half a bottle of Malort. I have gotten Botox several times. And I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to stop. That's what the money's for. I don't read the mattress ads for you. I read them for the Botox. Here's the thing that's important. And this is what I have to learn. I have to figure it out. The problem is, again, (laughs) she's on leave. So we're on pause. Don't you love immersive theater? I can feel pretty good about the fact that I'm a young 40. But what does that fucking mean? That just means I'm going to get hit by the train a few minutes later. So it's like the train is coming. I gotta make my peace with the train. I gotta figure out a new way to live that's not focused on the fact that I look kinda young. But right now, I don't have it. I don't fucking have it. And one day I will, but right now I don't. And that's what I wanted to say about turning 40. Um, <laughs> and, I, and I feel fine about it. And I feel pretty fine about it. That was about 30 seconds, right? About 30 seconds? I didn't say Swedish. I said shiatsu. This is no way to treat me after canceling my jet ski dolphin excursion. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't see you there. (laughs) I'll tell you, customer service isn't what it used to be. Listen to a word from our sponsor while this concierge gets a few words from me. Don't go anywhere. This is Love It or Leave It, and there's more on the way. Everything's changing so fast these days, and that's a great thing. I mean, back in my day, we were lucky if we could get one video to load on our desktop computer. But now, there's the Xfinity 10G network. That means the fastest internet, with faster speeds rolling out every day. And internet that can power a house full of devices at once with ultra-low lag. So, while one person streams a movie from their room, another can play video games in the basement. While another TikToks in the kitchen. It's the next generation 10G network, only from Xfinity. The future starts now. Restrictions apply. Actual speeds vary and not guaranteed. When it comes to listing your home for sale, everyone and their mom has advice. Oh, honey, who's going to want to buy this place on a cul-de-sac? It's literally a dead end. But for professional advice, a REMAX agent actually knows best. Let's start with a neighborhood analysis. I've been seeing lots of buyers looking to move here. REMAX is the most trusted name in real estate. Visit REMAX.com or download the REMAX app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Based on 2022 BrandSpark American Trust Study. Each office independently owned and operated. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. Let's spin it again. It has landed on sleep paralysis demons. Okay, this is me again. (laughs) Haven't we suffered enough? There are already so many things to be scared of. Big bugs. Snakes that with their bite can kill us. Octopuses with their touch can kill us. In the one safe place... I don't need to wake up and have a shadowy figure on my chest. Does anyone need that? Is anyone advocating for it? You Some are. people pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Just saying. I'm also disturbed that it is sort of a universal thing that it's always a shadowy figure on the chest with like gnashing teeth. Like none of us could come up with uh, the brain couldn't be like, I'm going to give you a special sleep paralysis demon. We all have to have the same one. Jason, do you have a sleep paralysis demon? I don't, but I am looking. (laughs) (laughs) What's poppin', playboy? (laughs) Let's talk after. (laughs) Yeah, I just, I think it's unfair. Apparently 50% of the world's population will have sleep paralysis at one point in their life. Isn't that horrible? What's going on? The human condition is already hard. I don't know. I mean, I, I change my mind, sleep paralysis demons. <laughs> we can have a talk. We can have a talk. I don't have it that often. My husband has it all the time, especially when we travel, which how unfair is that? And then you look it up on Wikipedia and they're like, oh yeah, it will happen when you travel. On vacation, sleep paralysis demons? Have you no shame? He sees the demons and everything? I think he just sees the demon opening a door slowly. Is that right? And he doesn't even get the satisfaction of the demon on his chest. That demon can't work up the chutzpah to enter a room. It does raise interesting questions why it's so common and so specific. It raises interesting questions about the fact that this is a simulation. (laughs) Apparently, most of them have bowler hats. Isn't that weird? That is strange. That's strange. Because bowler hats have not existed forever. They've not existed for a long time. Not long enough. The demons are older. Maybe that's where people got the idea for bowler hats. <laughs> Think about it. Someone's Think like, about it. I Big pharma. Demon the money. <laughs> I hate that demon, but his hat. I'm terrified, but I must sketch. <laughs> Call up my haberdasher friend. Are those they make hats, haberdashers? Get, yep. Okay. Make and fix. <laughs> Let's spin it one more time. It has landed on oceans. Yuck. There is nothing good you get from an ocean you can't get from a lake, and there's nothing bad from the ocean you get at a lake. Hey, you know what? Let's take a lake. Let's make it so you can't drink it, and it's filled with sharks and jellyfish. You know what that's called? It's called a fucking ocean. Hey, you want to go walk around the ocean? You can't. You physically can't. You want to do water sports in the ocean? You take your life in your hands. You ever heard of riptide? The ocean. I say yuck to the ocean. We've invented a better way. It's called lakes. I've said it once. I've said it a thousand times. The oceans are too big. They go on forever. There's far more ocean than any of us need for a vacation. A lake is the right amount of water. Right? Some of them pretty deep. Deep enough. Some of them are big, big enough to go around a little boat. More flat, more pristine, more placid. So you can put on, you know, little skis from the water. Get pulled out. Don't stand up. Let the boat pull you up. (laughs) That's something important about water skiing on a lake. The thing about water skiing on an ocean is, step one, don't do it. Water sea on the ocean, that's Johnny Knoxville firing people out of a cannon in a supermarket cart things. Water skiing on the ocean with the barges and the tides. No, on a lake, on a beautiful morning, you let the boat pull you up, now you're up. You do it long enough, you don't even need both skis. 
And they don't tell you that at first, but eventually you're just on one ski. Now you've saved yourself. You can get twice as many people out there because of lakes. You get good enough at it. This is wild. You don't even need the skis. There are people out there water skiing. They don't need the skis. They're using the bottoms of their feet as skis. What makes that possible? Not the ocean. Lakes. Let's see what's up next. Oh, let's go. This is oh, you. Is? We oh, have nothing oh, to learn from the elderly. They are wasting our resources. Wow. We, we have nothing to learn from the elderly. They are wasting our resources. Wow, man, shoot. Have you looked at old people lately? <laughs> oh, my God. They're just like, oh, you're just like, I'm trying to walk, okay? And you're in front of me, you know? And so it's, you know, this is hard because my grandma is my best friend. This is a personal attack. This is an attack, you know? But, I mean... You got to see them, okay? Just trying to do anything. Oh, my God, what a sight, you know? It's, and then, you know, they also wear diapers. We're like, yeah. oh, babies. Everyone's like, babies, you know? Oh, they use a lot of plastic diapers. How about, how about the elderly, huh? Oh, aren't they just like babies? They use the same products. Oh, we only attack the babies. Oh, you know, uh, the environment. But how about the elderly? They also use diapers. They eat soft foods. They eat same ass shit. Get rid of them. Let's spin it again. It has landed on the supply chain. Just chill out. It has landed on the supply chain. (laughs) Suggested by Busy. Guys, I was working a lot, and they were like, what is your thing, your thing you want to rant about? And I was like, I don't fucking know. I have to learn eight pages of dialogue right now. Can someone just pick a thing for me? And then I got a text from my assistant, Ray, and he was like, so it should be about how, like, in New York City, there's just, like, trash piled up. And I was like... Oh, absolutely not. I just moved here a year ago, and I already know that I'm not going to talk shit about New York in front of a New York fucking audience. No fucking way. Absolutely not. And then I was like, the supply chain? Because my brain, who gives a fuck? By the way, there's enough shit, and like the microchips or whatever, fine. I'm getting, in February, a fucking cartilage transplant. Do you know how fucking insane that is? Like, a cartilage transplant. Like, from, like, a dead person. We have to wait for the person to die. And then I get the cartilage. Do they throw away the rest, or do they use the organs for someone else? I think they use the organs for other things, too. Good. I think that's important. Do you get to pick the person? Yes. (laughs) I don't. But... With any luck, she's rad and rides motorcycles and is fucking it. fearless. No, she has to be female. I am. Wait, I didn't think you. Wait, I didn't think it wait, was Bridget. Wait. Bridget. Wait. Listen, guys. All I'm saying, fuck the supply chain. Let's not talk about. I don't care how it's going to ruin Christmas. You know what's going to really ruin Christmas? Having all of our rights fucking stripped away. I'm fucking sick of it. And I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. But also, 
All you fucking men, stand the fuck up! Where the fuck are you? Fuck you! You should be fucking talking about this every day because it's like the Texas SB8 is a fucking red herring. This shit on December 1st is done, y'all. You're fucking done. And every single one of you motherfuckers should be on your social media every goddamn day because you have benefited from a fucking right to choose, bitches. So stand the fuck up. I am not here for it. And I'm gonna be laid up with my fucking cartilage transplant with a dead girl. And I want you motherfuckers to join the march. Cause we can't fucking do it again. The pink hats didn't work. Pink hats didn't work. It's time we face facts. The pink hats didn't work. Let's spin it again. (laughs) It has landed. On professional clothing expectations for women suggested by Lieutenant Governor Peggy Flanagan. I have some thoughts. So occasionally, I get some feedback on the way that I dress. Usually it's someone like Bob from Fridley. And Bob from Fridley commenting, giving me helpful advice from his mother's basement, (laughs) likes to say, you should dress more like a lieutenant governor. What's that mean? Mm -hmm. It's interesting. So here's what I know. For men who are elected officials, they have a blue suit, a gray suit, a blue suit... And, like, some shirts and ties. And, like, you could wear Mayor Carter, like, the same suit, like, three days in a row and, like, nobody would know, right? Dudes can dress like it's granimals. <laughs> you know? Unless it is Barack Obama's tan suit. And he was a snack. Let's be clear. But so for women, right, for women who are elected officials, and in particular for women of color and indigenous women who are elected officials, there are certain expectations that people have. We must shatter them. That is our job. And here's the deal. The size of my earrings is proportional to the amount of power I will assert at a table. It's like Madeleine Albright, R.I.P., and her brooches, which she called her political arsenal. And for me, when I go into negotiations with the Senate GOP, after they haven't read the bill, um, I will wear my weasel tail earrings. Legit weasel tails. And I send a message. But here's the thing. Every single time, my daughter sees an elected official. Her reality has changed. Auntie Jamie, who's a Leech Lake descendant, is the chair of the House Judiciary Committee in Minnesota, and she rocks Hartbury earrings. My sister, MMA fighter, and one of two Native American women elected to Congress, Sharice Davids, wears beaded Ho-Chunk earrings on the floor of the United States Congress. And Auntie Deb, 
Auntie Deb Holland, our Secretary of the Interior, marches into work and she rocks her moccasins like a baddie. And I get to walk into the Capitol, which is right down the street, wearing a ribbon skirt, blazer, and the biggest earrings you've ever seen in your life. And let's be honest, Bob, the idea of how I need to dress as an elected official, it's not that you want me to wear a blazer. It's not that you want me to wear a power suit. By the way, my power suit has elk teeth on it. It's that... You are uncomfortable with women of color and indigenous women holding positions of power no matter what we wear. So, Bob, hun, from Fridley, this is what a lieutenant governor dresses like. Thank you. That was great. Can I say very quickly... I am inspired like I just saw Leah Michelle sing Don't Rain on My Parade. Like, wow. that, was, that was beautiful. That was beautiful. That's, oh that's a level. That's a level. Thank you. I feel, I, I feel so much better. Good. Thank you. And that's what this is all about. <laughs> Let's spin it again. Uh, It has landed on people saying we're fucked. This is something I suggested. This has been a very hard two weeks. Crooked Media, Pod Save America, Love It or Leave It, the shows we do, we try to tell people what they can do to be involved, how they can help. And at a time like this, it is when we see a lot of people coming to us and saying, are we fucked? Are we fucked? Are we fucked? Are we fucked? There's no such thing as being fucked. That doesn't exist. Fuckedness exists on a continuum. It does. There's no end point. Things can get better. Things can get worse. This Supreme Court is terrible. It is awful what has happened. The experience of feeling as though we are being ruled, it is anathema to us because we are freedom-loving people in a country that used to uh, pretend to uphold certain values. I understand feeling a bit hopeless. I understand feeling a bit lost. But if you are part of this great conversation we're all having, it means that you're paying enough attention, that you have enough agency, you have enough privilege, you have enough power to understand that saying you feel hopeless or actually giving into a sense of hopelessness is not an acceptable answer. I'm not saying it's wrong to feel lost. I, I think we all have felt pretty lost in the last week. And I'm not saying it's wrong to kind of give in to that cynicism and give in to that hopelessness. It's justified. What's happening is really unfair. It's really, it's wrong. It's morally reprehensible. It is about depriving us of agency. It's about rejecting the power we are meant to have in this system. I mean, this is a Supreme Court that has been stolen. It is an anti-democratic institution seized by another anti-democratic institution empowered by an anti-democratic institution in the form of the Electoral College. We are reeling from a kind of compounding impact of minority rule. All of us, the majority of this country, the vast and great majority of this country that believes in the rights of people to control their own bodies, that believes in the rights of gay people to live as they see fit, that believes in sensible gun control, that believes in sensible climate regulation, that believes in democracy. That is frustrating. That is enervating. That is depleting. That is awful. It is one thing to say, I worry that people will feel demoralized. 
I worry that other people out there will feel as though Democrats are letting them down. I worry that other people out there don't understand the stakes and will turn off and reject being involved because they feel as though it is senseless. I get that. I think that's a legitimate concern. That's a political concern. We all should think about the best way to respond, the best way to activate people. But what is unacceptable to me is people saying we're fucked. People saying I give up. I'm taking my ball and going home. You can do that, but it's not acceptable. We all should take the time we need, feel the pain that we feel, accept the disheartening and depleting and soul-crushing experience of watching this radical group of unelected judges in robes telling us how to live our lives and doing it with this kind of capricious and feckless and cruel and mean-spirited uh, an imperious sense that they know better than us, that pretending that they're justifying with some legal theory, which basically amounts to saying, Benjamin Franklin's my invisible friend, and he told me that all this is fine. I get all of that. But if you're hearing this, if you're engaged in this conversation, it means you're paying attention enough to know better. And none of us have the right to take our ball and go home. None of us. It's not acceptable. I understand that it's sort of a little bit more in vogue to kind of indulge these kinds of feelings. And, and I, I, you know, I struggle with that. But like all of us are leaders. If you're hearing this, you're paying attention and you're a leader. All of us have to act like leaders. And acting like leaders means not accepting the cynicism that the Republicans and the right and Fox News and Sean Hannity and Mitch McConnell want us to accept, to accept the cynicism that we can't change things. We are the majority of this country. We are the majority of the people. We are the majority of the gross domestic product. We are the majority of the voters. We will not be ruled. We just won't. And we can win. I know that we feel that our leaders are not up to this moment. Okay, so what? It's not about them. It's about us. So we know what we have to do. We don't need these other people to tell us what to do. We have to fight like hell to do everything we can to make sure that even if we don't fucking like them, even if they're annoying, even if they're not doing enough, even if they weren't ready for this moment when we knew it was coming— that doesn't matter because we are adults who are paying attention and we know that no matter how much these people aren't doing enough, we'll do enough to make sure that we put in place the people that will repeal the fucking filibuster and enshrine the right to choose in law at the federal level. And we will do enough to make sure that happens, not because we're waiting for Joe Biden or Nancy Pelosi or Chuck Schumer to prove us wrong, but because we're doing it for ourselves. We're doing it because it's the right thing to do. There's no such thing as we're fucked. Things can get better or things can get worse. This court will be an obstacle for decades. There's nothing we can do to change that. That is not an excuse for an action. And all of us have to do everything we can over the next 120 days to make sure that up and down the ballot, we have to make sure in Kansas on August 2nd that they reject a ballot measure to make abortion illegal, not just for people in Kansas, but for people in the states around it. We have to make sure that in Michigan we pass a ballot measure. We have to make sure in Pennsylvania we elect uh, Shapiro at the governor to make sure that the state legislature doesn't ban abortion. We have to elect Fetterman. We have to elect Mandela Barnes in Wisconsin. We have a lot of fucking work to do. But I really don't want to hear any more fucking we're fucked. There's no such thing as we're fucked, because if you think this is fucked, let's lose another couple elections. We can win. We can really win. And we can fucking we can do this. Anyway, all that's a way of saying, if you think we're fucked, 
Go to votesaveamerica.com and sign up because not everybody has. We got a lot of listeners to this podcast and not enough of you have fucking signed up. So a lot of people are out there fucking complaining about what's going on and they're not doing everything they can to help. Has every person in this room signed up? Everybody take out your phones right now. Seriously, take out your phones. I'm not kidding. I want every person in this fucking room to take out their phones. Everyone's phones are out. Go to votesaveamerica.com slash row. Is everybody doing it? Okay. Now, you can do one of three things right now. And I don't care which one it is. I would like you to do all three, but you can do one of three. One is you can sign up for Midterm Madness. You can pick a region, west, east, midwest, or south, and where you're going to help. That's one. Two, you can either donate to one of two funds. These are your other two options. One, you can support abortion groups that are on the ground helping to fund the groups that are helping people get the fucking reproductive care they need right now. You can donate there. That'll help them right now. Or you can donate to our Fight Back plan, and that's going to fund the grassroots organizing we need to change the rules that's supporting the ballot measures in Kansas, that's working to get the ballot measure done in Michigan, that's working to do a bunch of organizing in other states where there are trigger laws. So those are the three things you can do right now. You can sign up for Midterm Madness. You can donate to the Immediate Action Plan, or you can donate to the Fight Back Fund. You can do one of those three things. And everybody listening... We got to do a little less running through the fucking grooves of how fucked we feel and how bad it feels and just stop reading the same fucking negative shit and just get in the fight. That's all you have to do. We just have, we have 120 days. We got to keep the house. We got to get 50 votes to end the filibuster and enshrine Roe and pass voting rights. And if we can do that, we can undo the damage of this court. That's it. Or we won't, or we'll lose, or they'll make their argument about trans people swimming and fucking inflation, and then we'll live in hell for the next four years. That's really the options. Was this a good energy you think to end the show on? <laughs> I don't know. I guess I-, I guess Arby's doesn't seem so bad anymore. <laughs> and that's our show. Hope you're as furious as I am and cool as a cucumber. We'll be back live next week, and there are only 66 days until the midterm elections. I got to tell you, uh, it's a joy just having absolutely no idea what filth producer brian has put on the page thanks brian if i asked i could know in advance thanks brian and thanks to all of you for listening have a great weekend Love or Leave It is a Crooked Media production. It is written and produced by me, John Lovett, and Lee Eisenberg. Kendra James is our senior producer, and Brian Semmel is our producer. Hallie Kiefer is our head writer. Sarah Lazarus, Jocelyn Kaufman, Pulavi Gunalan, and Peter Miller are the writers. Bill Lance is our editor, and Kyle Seglin is our sound engineer. Claire Fogarty is our production intern working on the show for the summer. Our theme song is written and performed by Sure Sure. Thanks to our designers, Jesse McLean and Caroline Haywood, for creating and running all of our visuals, which you can't see because this is a podcast. And to our digital producers, Nar Malconian, Zuri Irvin, and Milo Kim, Mia Kelman, and Matt DeGroote for filming and editing video each week so you can. When it comes to buying your first home, everyone has questions. Can we even afford to buy a house right now? Well, I need to negotiate. How do I even negotiate? Luckily, a REMAX agent has answers. Hey, Brian, those are really good questions. They are? Thanks. It's my first time buying. I work with first-time buyers all the time. I got you. REMAX agents have more experience than other real estate agents. Visit REMAX.com or download the REMAX app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Each office independently owned and operated. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. 
so you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia.